Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Paratalk, and on this episode, I am once again joined by Ben of the 401 Files, and we're going to talk a little bit about everything, really. I really got Ben back, because he's been on the episode before, but I wanted to talk about his, um, his kind of forest stuff, and the stuff that he gets up to in the deepest, darkest woods up in it's Yorkshire, so it's, uh, it's really out there. But anyway, further ado, let me bring him in, and we'll, we'll get this show on the road. Hi, Ben. Hi, Reese. How are you? Are you okay? I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, so you're back on the podcast. I did promise that you would come back on at some point. I've been watching your videos lately, and you have been out and about and exploring. So how's the camp going, and, and how are things with you? Yeah, um, things with me are really good. I've had some really um, great opportunities arise. The future for the channel is looking really bright. It's looking good. I'm excited for the future. And the, the shelter, um, I'm thinking of actually building another one. So that shelter was great, but for filming and getting there to make my YouTube videos is sometimes quite difficult because the forest there is quite dark. So if I can just find like a clearing somewhere hidden away in the woods, then that would be perfect for me to start building the next shelter as well. So that's what I'm on the lookout for now. You've been quite busy with the old recording lately and out and about. You've been catching some really interesting phenomena recently and it, uh, it's a bit, a little bit of UFOs and it's a little bit of um, what I would call maybe big cat, maybe something you caught. But one of the first things I want to ask you about is that weird noise that you caught on one of your videos. Did you get any further investigating that? I never did, no. Um, and it's funny you should mention like the kind of UFO slash cryptid almost because that is my like that is my thing that is what i try and push is that you know when people see cryptids um like the wild man my thing is that how do we know that's not an extraterrestrial so what i try and do is bring the ufo and extraterrestrial phenomena side by side with the cryptid phenomenon because there are very close links between those two phenomena in my opinion going to what you just said there breeze about the the noise i have no idea what that was like a lot of people when i first posted it said that it sounded like a red deer in rutting season now, I've just obviously got to make, for your viewing, um, for your listening audience, I've got to make them aware that I've been in the woods, I've been in the outdoors for pretty much most of my life. You know, I was in the Cub Scouts from an early age. I joined the wild camping and bushcraft scene. I was in the army. I've heard all different types of noises, especially red deer in rutting season. I've heard territorial hedgehogs, rabbits fighting, barn owls, all these weird noises that can sometimes frighten people to death. I've heard all of these things. I've never heard whatever that thing was that I caught on that day. Just for the people that said it was a red deer, I thought it'd be interesting to put those two audios side by side. So I grabbed the audio of a red deer in rutting season making its mating call or its um, territorial call, and I put it alongside the noise that I caught. And I think when you do that, everybody who said red deer was then questioning what they'd said. They were like, that is weird. Now you've put them side by side. That is so very, so very different. You've got this kind of little area in the forest where you kind of go and chill and do your thing. And over time, you've kind of experienced uh, more and more strange things. Do you think that because you're going there um, with the mindset that you want to experience and you want to, you know, involve yourself with not just nature, but anything more than nature that might be out there? Do you think that there is in some way that it's generating uh, an ability for you to experience a little bit more of the weird? Um, you know, I've often thought about this, like, are we just hearing what we want to hear? Are we just seeing what we want to see? And I guess that if you are going out there with cryptids in mind, with UFOs in mind, extraterrestrials, then there is a risk that that could, that could happen. But I also think it makes us more aware. 
You know, if you're not going out there looking for UFOs or cryptids, you're just going out there, say, mushroom picking or you're doing a bit of hiking or whatever it may be, then you're not really aware of all the noises that are going on around you. So you might miss a lot. And I think that the fact that I'm going out there because this is a hot spot, it's an area that has a lot of strange reports coming from it, makes me even more open to to noises, to things that are visual, that stand out from the trees. And so yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. You could say that, oh, he's just hearing and seeing what he wants to see or hearing what he wants to hear. And then you could think, well, actually, it's because he's, he's, he's more open. He, he's actually there for the sole purpose of looking out for this, these things that he's seen it or he's heard it. And um, yeah, I think there's a bit of both. Yeah, I really do. I, I couldn't say which would you know, when I hear something. I, I guess my job on the channel is just basically to document whatever I hear or whatever I see and leave everybody on the channel to be um, ultimately the, the judges. That's, that's a good way of looking at it. I think everybody has got their own opinion on what things might be. And it's always good to put things out and say, well, you make up your own mind. One thing I was going to yeah. say, on, still on the topic of this strange noise, was not only the noise was weird, but the weirder thing for me was what happened before you heard the noise. Uh, the forest was yeah. really, really excited, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that caught my attention is, so just to set the scene, I, I walked into the woods, which I've done a million and one times throughout my life, hundreds and hundreds of times to this exact same spot where the, where the shelter is. I've never heard the woods like that, ever. You hear the odd bird, um, you become familiar with the different calls, but this was just alive. There was birds of all different species, like chirping really, really loud, like in a frantic almost tone. And then there was deers barking close by and you know i had rustling in the bushes from like rabbits scurrying into the into the burrows it was just everything was happening all at once around me from my own experience i obviously know that this means there's there is a predator close by because they all get into a frenzy and as i said on the video if you listen to the video i, d I did say any minute now what we should expect is complete silence and it happened um the silence came and i said this is probably now because the, the predator or whatever it is has come into this area and so all the animals now have warned each other. They've all scurried and, you know, got back to where they need to be to be safe. But now it's time to just lay low and let this thing, this thing pass through, whatever it was. So that was the first thing that I thought was really weird. And then obviously it dies down. That moment passes. The noises pick up again. And you just crack on doing your normal, your normal stuff while you're in the woods. But then that's when I heard the weird noise and it became a bit more strange. And I was a bit more freaked out by this. I didn't want to link the two events, but it was just too close. Not to, if that makes sense. What's your thoughts on big cats in the woods and the forests of England? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible. I think that there, there is a, a great environment here in the UK, especially for, for big cats to live and, and to thrive. The only thing that I always resort back to is why are the numbers not as high as they should be? You know, they've had a long, long time to keep these numbers and these breeding couples going, if, if, they, if that is what there is out there, like breeding couples. But we don't see that. Like you would expect to see prints turning up every other day, wild farmers' sheep and another cattle just being eaten alive. You know, we'd, we'd expect to see a lot more after all these years of big cats being out there roaming the countryside. I'm not saying that they, they're not, because I truly believe that they are. I just don't know how they're keeping their numbers down. That's that's the bit that I keep going back to, and that really baffles me. I find the whole big cat thing fascinating. I do think there are what I would call domesticated animals that have been let go in the wild and maybe exotic animals that yeah. have been at one point somebody's pet 
and they've let them go and maybe they have bred yeah. with other animals out there and they they are out and about but i do think that they are in very small pockets and very small numbers but people are obviously seeing something obviously there's a paranormal connection to that as well where we have mystical animals that seem to appear and disappear like you know almost like um uh, similar to like uh, fairy lore where these little individuals appear and disappear have you what, what's your thoughts on the paranormal and the sort of you know the big cats and the wild men and, and that kind of stuff if we think about britain's most endangered animal it's the red squirrel and for as endangered as that is and for as rare as that is if you want to, you really, really wanted to, and you knew exactly what you were doing and, and how to track, you could go out and within two weeks, you could get a photo of a crisp photo of a red squirrel. Um, and that is Britain's most endangered species um, animal. So I just don't get why we're not, be, we're not able to do the same with a much larger animal, like a wild cat. Um, you know, and given the time that they've had to breed, there should be quite a few numbers of them now and you know more evidence to come forward and, I, and it's weird like i've said I'm, I'm in conflict with myself because i do believe that there are cats out there and people are seeing stuff i just don't know why it hasn't been proven beyond doubt by now if that makes sense paranormal aspect of it again with the big cats i don't think there is any paranormal um aspect to the big cats here in the uk however when we talk about um cryptids like weird you know people see these weird wild men type creatures bipedal walking through the woods there's definitely got to be something there and, and talking about bigfoot as well in, in like the pacific pacific northwest i feel there is a paranormal element there as well just not with the big cats i don't know why when we talk about the big cats i think flesh and blood it's um an undiscovered animal living here in the uk i don't think there's anything like untoward or, or spooky about that again just like i've said however when we talk about bigfoot and cryptids i do I don't know why I think that or how I came to that um, conclusion. I, it's, for me, it just seems more animalistic when we talk about big cats. How about you, Reeves? Do you, th do you feel the same on that? Or I, I'm quite open-minded when it comes to... I mean, big cats, I find uh, fascinating. I find that if there are yeah. um, X, you know, what used to be an exotic pet and it's gone out there in the wild and it's maybe procreated and it's there's a, a small community of these little, you know, animals or cats or whatever it might be and they're living in a community doing their thing and and very few people see them um yeah i mean i can see that's plausible because there's plenty of food out there wild rabbits and hares and all those kind of things so there's it's plausible that that could be a thing when it comes to uh a big hairy beast man or uh the bigfoot which is commonly known over here it's more of the wild man i'm a little bit more on the fence whether it may be it's more likely um paranormal or in a sense that i wonder what people are actually experiencing because if you think of for example a wild man a big hairy beast man you're out for a walk in the woods walking your dog or whatever having a summer walk and you walk around the corner and there's this hairy man stood there and he's looking right at you and then he just seems to be unfazed. He walks down the road. He walks down the lane. You go, you think, oh, I better be careful. He looks a bit mad. And then he's gone. He's vanished. When I hear stories like that or read stories like that, I always go back to like fairy lore where people are out and about. They've gone for a little walk in the country. They walk around the corner and there's a couple of little people by a rock having a chat. And they look up at you and they're like, you know, who are you? And then they 
they jump around by the rock and they're gone. And there's a lot of people out there that have yeah. had these experiences of, of these little people, the little people in the woods. And as funny as it sounds, oh, he's talking about fairies, he's got to be a lunatic. So these people are seeing something. What are they seeing? Are they, is that their mind generating it? Are they, are they, is their mind interpreting something uh, in a way that they can understand it? Is whatever it is they're seeing so out there and so incomprehensible that you have to pretend it's like a little, a little fairy person or is there more to it? You know, and maybe the, the Bigfoot, the wild man is in that same sort of bubble of strangeness. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I've always been a believer that there is way more to this, this reality than, than we, than we know of, like whether that comes in the form of different dimensions, um, whether it's paranormal and they could just slip in, like be here one minute and then vanish the next. I'm not sure. Or maybe even some of these creatures are coming from somewhere else, like off planet from out in the solar system somewhere. Um, but like you've just said, people are definitely seeing something in it. And personally myself, I've had an experience similar to what you just described. Um, I think we spoke about it before, Reeves, with the green creature in the woods. So this is a story. I mean, some of some of the viewers here might have even seen this story because it, it kind of went viral. It went crazy. Yeah, when I was seven or eight years old, I was in the Cub Scouts and we'd been on a weekend camping trip. This is something that we'd done. I'd been in the Cubs by this point many, many years. And, you know, we'd done this every year where we go away on a weekend camping trip. Parents come along, they help out, etc. And this camp went great. There was nothing untoward, nothing spooky or creepy about this camp in any way, shape or form. But on the way home, we was on the minibus. We was coming back from a place called Snowball Plantation. It's um, a wooded area specifically designated for Cub Scout use. On the minibus, the Cub Scout leader stood up and said, right, we're going to be doing a, a stop at the side of the road if anyone wants to jump off to use the toilet. Now, this, is, this was like 1997 or something like that. So me and my friend at the back of the bus, we jumped off. We stood at the side of the road taking a pee. But obviously, because I was only like seven or eight years old, I thought, I'm not standing shoulder to shoulder with my friend taking a, a, a pee. I jumped up this embankment. There was like a, a small grass embankment just in front of us. So I decided I'd just walk up this little embankment and stand at the top of there to do it. Now, obviously, when I'm at the top of the embankment, I've now got a different view to everybody else. I can see into this wood line, this wooded area. And I'm stood there, and the first thing I noticed was a little outbuilding. It looked like um, an old tool shed, you know, had long been forgotten about. There was ivy growing all over it, bricks missing. And I remember thinking, that's weird. Like, if that's a tool shed, where's, where's the building? Like, where's the bigger part of this? Where is it? And there was nothing. And as I'm thinking and looking around for this, I saw something move off to my right. What I saw was a green olive creature. This is the most bizarre thing ever <laughs> in my life. It was, had a very small head. Its eyes were a bit larger than human eyes, but completely black. It had dangly arms and walked with a stoop, like really leant forward. Now, at the time, I thought that it was trying to keep a low profile and trying to sneak through the woods. I didn't expect that that's just my, that might be how it walks. And my initial thought straight away was, this is a prank. They're trying to get one up on me. They're trying to, you know, make me scared and say, ah, we got you. We tricked you. So what I did was I jumped back on, on the bus and I thought, I'll do a bit of reverse psychology here. Like, I'm not going to mention it. And then all their hard work and trouble that they've gone through getting this guy in a suit and, you know, it's all going to be for nothing because I didn't see it. And I waited and I waited for someone to say, did you see it? Did we get you? And nobody mentioned anything about this olive green creature walking through the woods. Now, the weird thing is, is this creature saw me, like it, it made eye contact with me. I looked at this creature and I watched it walk through the woods and it never seemed phased. 
never seemed scared or, you know, panicked that I was going to run away screaming. It kind of just knew that it was okay. And it's such a weird experience for me because a long time after this, I forgot everything about the event. You know, it was only until my late 20s, early 30s, one day at work, that all this came back. And I thought, like, wow, that was a real event. That is so vivid. Like, you know, I've got memories of my children growing up. It's as vivid as that. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't some prefabricated, over-imaginative brain. This actually happened. That day did take place. I did see this creature. But why I forgot about this event for so long, I have no idea. When you have experiences like that, it really does make you question what you're actually seeing. And it also makes you question, like, your own sanity sometimes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, when I when I when this came back to me, I was thinking, well, what do I type in? Like, do I type in Green Man, um, extraterrestrial, weird animal? So I just started typing anything, and it turns out that a lot of people around the world have seen very, very similar things to to what I'd seen that day. Now I don't know what that was. For me, I feel it was more extraterrestrial. I, th- I feel like what I saw was not from this planet, and if it was from this planet, it's underground or it's hiding away somewhere because I've never seen anything before or since that looks even remotely close to what I saw. So, yeah, it was it was a very weird feeling. The more of, of, of these cases of these strange little people, these little creatures, not just the Bigfoots and the wild men and the, the strange dogs or, or anything very odd, the more of these cases that I read about, um, people say, well, it was there one minute and then it was gone or it went around the corner, it had vanished. I really am coming to the conclusion that we live in a, a kind of a, a multi-platformed existence where there are beings out there that are able to move between, I'll say, dimensions or planes of existence. And they can step into yeah. one plane of existence and then they can step into another. And to them, it's completely normal. Uh, for us, they seem to appear and then they disappear. But for them, they're sort of transitioning from just like walking through an open door and they're in one place and they're they're obviously aware of everything that's around them, but they're not bothered. They just they don't see us as, you know, we're just there. We're part of the furniture. And I'm starting to think that. And not only with um, this kind of cryptid stuff, because let's be honest, there's something about a, a large, either a forest or a wooded area. There is something... You can put it this way. You can be in a great big city, yeah, and you can go. You can put a a, a wood, maybe a wood, uh, in in the middle of the city, and you can go in those woods, and you could be in a city and have all the stuff going on, all the people hustle bustle and all that, and then you can turn around the corner and walk into this wooded area, and it changes. The whole feeling changes. There's something about going into that area. That your body, your your the way that you're wired, you're trying to connect, you reconnect with the environment that you're in, and it changes. It just, and maybe I'm just hypersensitive, but I've I've felt that whenever I go into places, large we've got some woods here, old very old ancient woods go go way back, way back to the Iron Age, and and Roman encampment there and stuff, and and you can go for a walk up there. And it just feels like you're walking through history. It's, it just feels different. I've never had any weird experiences up there. But, well, I had one. I had one weird experience, but I think it was just people pranking. But we, we did a little bit of a camp over up there one night when we were younger. And there were people, or, or 
I'm not going to say people, but there were there was something moving around in the woods, and we don't know what it was because we couldn't see it, and we had flashlights and stuff. But that was a co- well, it was a, it was scary enough that we actually packed our tents up and left. <laughs> so yeah, that was a bit weird. But I do think yeah. that when you're in an area like that in the woods in a forest, it it changes the environment. Change you act. You're not in your own. How can I put it? You're not in your your little house. You're not in your little safe area. You are basically you're like all the other animals there. You're looking over your shoulder. Do you not? Do you not feel that? Yeah, you you, you definitely slip into um, a different step because your body your body obviously being in the woods. Um, gives you that heightened sense of senses like your hearing becomes more in tune you're looking out for things because your body is screaming at you look we're, we're somewhere different like this is weird we need to be alert like there could be danger here and that's just our built-in um, defense mechanism that's how we survived for so long because had we not have that we'd just walk into a cave we'd get by bears and we'd just be stupid so there is already a heightened sense of um, our senses when we walk into these areas but I totally get what you're saying about these places have a, like a really strange feel. Um, and I've never felt that so much more than when I was growing up in the haunted house that I grew up in because the vibe in that house was so... The only way I can describe it was like thick. The atmosphere was thick. It was like walking through like a real thick cloud. Wherever you, wherever you went in the house, you had this feeling of eyes on you wherever you walked. And it was just... It, I'll tell you how bad it was. There was times when I was walking up the stairs and this, this feeling of being watched and this thick atmosphere that I was walking through became so intense that I could have sworn someone was going to walk into the back of me if I didn't stop. Well, you know when someone runs up behind you and you, you know that feeling, oh, they're going to yeah. bump into me. That's how, it would, that's how it would feel on the stairs. And I'd actually stop, physically stop, and look behind me and think, well, that was weird because I could have sworn that someone was going to come up these stairs and walk right into the back of me. That's how weird that house was. And like you just mentioned with the atmosphere and how things feel different, I've never felt anything like that house. Wherever you went, it was like that. And anybody that came into the house, not just me, friends of the family, family members, all felt weird things. And obviously, you know, we've mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about this in depth on a later date, but yeah, the house itself was just very, very creepy. What's the relationship, do you think, with uh, the UFO phenomenon and, should we say, wooded areas? Is, do you think there's a connection there? Or do you, think, do you think that the aliens are like, yeah, let's just land there because there's no one there? Or do you think there's more of a connection with those kind of places and the you know, UFO sightings? We know that a lot of UFO sightings happen around large bodies of water. Um, usually there's a military base nearby. Um, and forested areas, like you just said, if we look at the Travis Walton case, huge forested area and um, we look at the Rendlesham, forest, uh, Rendlesham case forested area and the military base this repeats itself time and time again if you look at most UFO cases or abduction cases this is always um, the same way so I don't know why woods like specifically why would they be in woods what is it that they're there for what it doesn't make sense to me I can't understand that bit but yeah it's it's definitely um, a common occurrence uh, any other thoughts maybe on what might be going on in the national parks in America and not just America, but all around the world where people go into these uh, large open spaces and uh, seem to sort of just disappear? Yeah, I, I think there's something strange going on there. Um, not always, not every single account that where someone goes missing, do I think it's weird, but I think that there are too many people going missing under the same, same circumstances for for us not to think that that is weird in some way 
Now, what do I think is taking them? Like, do I think this is some kind of a Bigfoot Sasquatch type creature or is it extraterrestrial? I'm really not sure. Both of those things fascinate me when it comes to the missing 411 people going missing in national parks. I think that I think you could maybe argue a case for both of them for a cryptid, a weird creature like a Bigfoot taking these people, but also something extraterrestrial coming down and taking them as well. It would be the perfect place because the minute anybody goes missing in a national park, you know, we're just going to say, well, it's a, it's a treacherous place to begin with. You know, like they may have fallen over a rock. People don't get found for, for months, sometimes years. We possibly might, might never find them. There's so many things that we can just brush it off as that for an extraterrestrial or for a cryptid, it's the perfect hunting place. One of the cases that sticks with me with, when it comes to people who, I mean, there are many cases out there, and there, there are many bizarre cases, and obviously children uh, that, that get uh, disappear and then they get found and they tell stories of uh, that they were with a, a giant bear, took them to its cave and looked after him for a few days and, and there were hairy people there or, or you know, it's these you, you just go and read the tales, they're just bizarre. But th- one of the cases yeah. that stick with me is a, a couple that were out walking and uh, this was in a, in a national park and they were walking, and a, a young woman ran past them. She was doing like a, a run. She was on her running gear, and she moved. She ran on up the path a little bit, and then they watched her in the distance, well, you know, 50 feet, 100 feet in front of her. So they could still see her because the, the path was straight, and she seemed to stop and look to the edge of the, uh, the, the, the walkway. And obviously either side there were bushes and trees and stuff, and she stepped through the bushes, the, the, the area off of the path. And they thought, oh, what, wonder what she's doing. So they're just sauntering along chatting. And they get to where the woman was and she was nowhere. She was nowhere to be seen. They looked in the area where she apparently looked like she stepped off from. It was thick with trees. And there's no way that someone in shorts and a T-shirt would have gone through. They would have cut themselves to pieces. And it, it, it wasn't yeah. like it was a scream or... You know, a lion's got me or a, a bear's grabbed me leg or whatever. She just sort of stepped off and it was gone. And there was a case in England, a young girl on a bike. This is in like a country lane in, in England. She rode around the corner. It was like a, it was like a U-bend in, in the country lane. The girl was nowhere to be found. They looked in the hedge. They looked, there was a field next to the hedge and she was gone. She just vanished. Now, we don't have any bears or, or mountain lions or anything like that. Where did she go? I, one that always sticks out for me is, um, I think it was on uh, 411, The Hunted, and I think it was the first case that they put on that on that documentary where people after um, was talking about hearing a large trap in the woods, like snap shut. You know, and this guy, this elderly guy that was, his job was basically to stand at the bottom of the hill. Um, the younger guys was, go- was going to go to the top of the hill and they were going to start pushing back towards the old guy through the woods. Yeah. Obviously, they're forcing the deer that way. When they got there, there was there was no old guy, no clothes, no no nothing. Sweet wrapper, no rifle, no boots, no walkie-talkie, completely just gone. Yeah. Um. And the guy, the younger guy, said that the only thing that stood out to them from that day that was weird was this. Some of them reported hearing this snapping sound, like a, a large trap had been snapped in the woods, and that was it. Like, what the hell is that? Like, that to me is weird. There's another uh, a case similar to that where there was a group of hunters. Uh, they were in the forest. 
and they were getting ready to, I think they were hunting elk or, or something like that. And they were all in a line and they were spaced out about, you know, 20, 30 feet. So they could see each other, but they were yeah. not right next to each other. And they were waiting for these animals to come down in front of them so that they could, you know, hunt them. And uh, as they were doing, getting ready, they noticed that one of the uh, hunters at the end of the line wasn't there anymore. And they called out for him to find out where he was. And they walked back into the forest to see where he'd gone. And they found his rifle. And he, I think his rifle and his backpack up against a tree. He was nowhere to be found. He'd gone. It was almost like he'd put his rifle up against the tree and took his backpack off and just walked off into the forest. It's completely bizarre. Yeah, it's so weird. It is so weird because even if he did do that, you'd find him. Like people, it's very difficult in this day and age to, to go anywhere without leaving a trail of some kind. Yeah. Whether it's a piece of fiber, a footprint, anything. Just to completely vanish, be erased from this existence is, I don't know where you could do that. And that's why, that's why criminals get caught. Because everyone thinks that they can do it. Oh, I can get away with murder. I can do this. I can do... But there's always a way. There's always something that you've missed or left behind that, you know, that leads back to you where you are. And I just don't understand how people can vanish. I mean, obviously, people do go into the, the wild and there. Some people are not prepared. They are not experienced. They get into a problem yeah. and they have a fall. They maybe fall down a crevice and nobody sees them they pass away or they get stuck or they hurt themselves and they can't call for, uh, they haven't got a radio on them or they don't have a, a, a personal tracker on them or like a GPS. So, so, you know, those things happen. And there's animals that can take little, little babies and run away with them and stuff like that. So that does happen. We know that happens, but there are other cases out yeah. there that just don't seem to make sense there. When you look at the, you know, the evidence, why would somebody leave their house drive to a national park, park their car, and then walk off into the woods uh, just when they just seem to be a normal person. It's like they're a sleeper and they've been called to action. Now's your time and this is what you need yeah. to do. It's, yeah. it's, very un, it's very unnerving. And, and, and also I think uh, we, you know, I'm getting a little bit um, out there now where it's interesting that uh, the, national par- the people that run the national parks don't want to talk about it. They don't want to give figures. They don't want to... I can understand in one way that they don't want to scare people, you know, oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going to use yeah. their facilities because it's dangerous there. But on the other side of it, when you've got somebody that's doing, uh, you know, legitimate research and you, they approach you and they go, like, I want to get to the bottom of this. And they're like, no, 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 no. You just we don't... We don't want to be involved with you. Just go away. Just leave us alone. And they do everything they can to make it impossible for those people to do research. Uh, but by putting obstacles in their way. And I think to myself, why are they doing that? Do they know something that they don't want the general public to know? Is there really something going on in these places? Look at Cannock Chase in England. That's another little bizarre yeah. place where people have had uh, uh, all, all manner of, uh, of um, experiences from uh, large, what you call like devil dogs or, you know, hellhounds or, you know, with the glowing eyes that people have seen. Uh, they've seen, uh, you know, other what you call a, a grey or a little grey uh, in the forest. That uh, even a paranormal group were having stones thrown at them from from in the forest. Uh, for, there was nothing there, but these stones were appearing 
and hitting them. They weren't throw, thrown hard, but they were being thrown at them, like, you know, as a, as a bit of fun. But one of the researchers noted that it was a cool, cold evening and it was quite chilly. But when they picked the stones up, the stones were warm. Now, there's a yeah. connection there where people go into houses that have paranormal phenomenon, mainly poltergeist phenomenon, and they have objects apart and appear from nowhere, coins, stones that seem to just cut, fall through the ceiling. When they pick them up, they're warm. Where are they coming from? It's, it's bizarre. It's like they've almost got some, um, some kind of energy of, of their own. You know, like we, we see the paranormal, how they can bend certain metals and the UFO phenomenon, how it can leave the reports of like melting magma leaking from the bottom of the craft and you know it's just weird like how how they have their own different energies like that and can, can manipulate the the environment around them it's just, like you just said there with the, the kind of chase situation there's there's so many things in this universe and in our own realm from everyday life that people are seeing and having experiences with i don't think we can rule any of this out um it's just a bizarre it's a bizarre thing like when we hear stories of like the black-eyed children, for example, the paranormal, cryptids, and, you know, there's the Loch Ness and UFOs. It, there's just a whole world out there that we're not in tune with that seems to be coexisting with us on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I don't get where it's coming from. Is it a different dimension? Like, I don't... It blows my mind. The more I go down this rabbit hole, it really does blow my mind. From what we understand now, from what people are saying from the UFO hearings, and I think before we end this show, we will touch on the ufo hearings um there are some yeah. people in in the know apparently that have information that these uh the, the the space people whatever you want to call them uh don't seem to be don't seem to care about us either way we are just we're just here we're not interfering with them and they're going to do their thing and they just don't care they're not you know whatever i don't buy that for the simple fact that is they must care down due to the fact that they're trying to keep a low profile you see i don't care about ants nest and if ants had the technology and intelligence to prove that that exists they could easily do that because i've probably walked through millions of ants nests in my life but ufos are like so if we're the ants and the ufos are walking through like into our existence and having some involvement with us they do care to some degree because they're keeping a very low profile and making it very hard to prove their existence i think there is um a possible agreement with whoever they might be and i don't think it's one yeah i don't think it's one race i don't think it's one species i think there's many that are maybe been here for a long time or maybe a, a visit in this like planet tactical um yeah, yeah like a group of them and i think that the it's not them that don't want to make contact it's the governments of the world that are saying you can do this you can do that but you must keep a low profile and you must not interfere with people in a in a overly direct manner. Now that kind of rules against the abduction phenomenon, where people have been seem to be taken against their will and had um, procedures done. This could be yeah. the fact that there are other races out there that are, don't care; they're just going to do what they want to do. Yeah, and I was going to say because these beings, right, they're traveling the vast distances. Of the, of the cosmos to reach earth let's just say or they're slipping through one dimension to another to reach earth whatever they're doing they're doing it better than we're doing it and they're far more advanced than we are so why would they get here and listen to what we've got to say when it comes to threats like you can do this 
but you're not do, not to show yourself to us. Like, why would they not just say, shut up, we'll do what we want? Like, you're just nobody. Like, you you, you can't even travel through space. You can't even slip through dimensions. We're not going to listen to you. Don't tell us what to do. You know, that that's where I get, like, confused with, with that bit. Um, well, I, I'm I'm more of the, the mindset now uh, of they have been here all along and that uh, they've been here yeah. maybe for thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. And that we... Yeah, I, are, I'm on that agreement. We are on, on, we are on the planet and we are doing our thing. And the reason that they're here is because this planet to them is a resource for them. And they need this planet yeah. uh, as much as we need it. But they know that we're on it. And it's interesting that in prehistory, let's go back before 1947. Let's go back before that. If you read some of the ancient scriptures, people have seen things, uh, had experiences with fairies and angels and stuff that you could interpret in a religious context, but you could also interpret it in a UFO context as well. But after the 19, you know, after the 40s and the 50s and onwards, that these things have been seen in the sky and that they seem to be taking an interest in, in, in us. Ever since we started to split the atom and let off those atomic bombs, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hang on a minute, now they become a danger. So now we have to start to keep a closer eye on them. But before that, it doesn't seem to be as, you know, as uh, intense as it is now. And as the the world tends to uh, go out more and more chaotic as it is at the moment, people are seeing them everywhere. Look what's happened happening in peru where people are seeing these things and actually having fights with them and shooting pistols at them and they don't seem to get injured you know the, the uh, it just it's just mad all these stories around the world where they, they're pushing this whole congress thing at the moment with the um the whistleblowers and people turn around now and saying well you know uh you know it, it there are non-biological beings that we've had and and they're pushing for these uh, military complexes to also the corporate complexes to to say well what have you got what information have you got it's really interesting that why is this all coming to a head now what what's your thoughts on on that and i'm not i don't really trust the conferences like we've seen um congress and people getting together to talk about ufos and the existence of extraterrestrials i don't know if i fully trust these people and it's weird because for a long time i've wanted them to come forward and start talking about it and then the minute they do, you know, you've seen the meme, oh, you, you know, conspiracy theorists believe UFOs until the government say it's true. That's pretty much right. Yeah, I do. Because these, when you listen to the Congre- uh, these meetings, these get-togethers, it's already publicly available information, data, that they're using to talk about. You know, you and I can go on the internet and we can find a lot of what they've said in these these meetings. And the people that really could maybe blow the top off this, blow the roof off this. Every other word is, I can't speak about that right now. I'm not in a position to speak about that right now. And it's just, I, I just feel like they're a waste of time. I feel like it's almost set up in a way to give us hope that they are transparent. They've got our best interests at heart and they're doing everything they can to get to the bottom of this. I don't think that's the case though. I don't. I think the people that really, really want to speak openly about this, they can't. They're being suppressed. But we need to put you on TV anyway just to make it look like we're giving everybody a fair shake. Um, 
yeah, what's your thought on that? Do, do you have any, like, do you put any chips behind these meetings, these government, you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to think. Well, I, uh, I do think that these individuals that are coming forward are, they're telling the truth about what they've heard and what yeah. they've experienced. Uh, I do believe yeah. that they've also been warned that don't cross the line. Yeah. You talk about, you talk about in general what you've experienced, but anything that is off of a very sensitive nature, you don't have the authority to talk about yeah. because you haven't got the clearance. And if you want to talk about it, you have to go into a skiff, which is a secure room, a secure place where you can then talk freely, but it's not recorded. It's not, you know, there's not film for the public. It's not a public place. Therefore it's taken out of the public area. We don't know what they're talking about. You know, we've got no idea what they're talking about. Only from what other people say, oh, they talked about this or they talked about that. Um, I do think that yeah. the, uh, you know, my first red flag was when the UFO was changed to UAP. Uh, and there was a reason for that. It's still the same thing. It means the same thing. Just because they changed the name, it doesn't mean to say that the phenomena has changed in any way. It's still the same. But the reason they've changed it is because UFO is connected with basically what the average, you know, the average person in the street looks at somebody. Oh, I'm into UFOs. There you, oh, you might as well just say I'm mental. You know, that's what, that's what people yeah. usually say. Yeah. It had this stigma. Yeah, it. It's a stigma. So they've changed it to UAP. Yeah. So it's more serious now because that's what the government call it. They call it UAP. Um, and it's just the same thing. It, they're changing it. So they, they're also by doing that, they're disconnecting themselves from all of those previous years when, uh, when the governments have said, "Oh, there's nothing to UFOs, and there's nothing to it. You're 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 just seeing Venus in the sky. You're seeing a, it's just swamp gas." They've disconnected. So we're not talking about UFOs. We're talking about UAPs. We are talking about the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's like they've wiped this. Yeah, yeah, but it's but like they the, wiped the slate clean, or in their mind they have. But the average person who gets up every day and goes to work and comes home and has his dinner and goes back to bed or whatever, they don't think about stuff like that. It's just like, well, you know, that's what they're talking about. That's their thing. And, uh, and it's interesting as well uh, that the, the greater general public aren't more up in arms with this. You know, we've got the world in chaos at the moment, and this is potentially the biggest news story in history if it's all true, and yet your your average person in the street is like, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's just yeah. it's mind boggling yeah. to me. I agree because it's it's almost like the mentality of well, if it doesn't change my life in any way, if it doesn't affect me, then what? Well, why do I have to be interested? But those same people will sit down and watch Love Island or Big Brother, and that really blows my mind. It's like this news coming forward about life elsewhere in the universe is the biggest news since the beginning of time, the beginning of humanity. Yet, because it's not affecting you directly in your life or nothing's changing directly, you just think it's not big news. But yet somebody being evicted from the Big Brother house, you're all over that. And I really can't get on the, on the mind, on the same mindset of those people. But um, it is nice. And I, and, I do, and I do have this feeling. I've had this feeling for a while now, maybe like the last year or something, that things are speeding up. Um, and I do think that in the next... 15 20 years which is maybe a push i think we will have full disclosure somehow somewhere um because 
you'll probably you've probably um seen this yourself really is that things do seem to be picking up speed um people are talking about it more openly without the fear of ridicule um and the sightings as well seem to be becoming more frequent the technology is getting better it's got to come to a head at some point and we've got to get answers um once and for all i think uh disclosure will never come from the government it will never come from an official government body it, i'll tell you where it will come from it'll no. come from the people it'll come from the people that have had their the experiences and when people that are high up the ladder you know that have got impeccable backgrounds that have maybe military people or uh people in science or whatever start talking about it and saying you know what i think there's something to this i think that's when disco- disclosure will happen I don't think any government is going to is going to turn around and go, yeah, here's uh, Jeffrey the alien. I don't think that is going to happen because I can, you cannot trust governments yeah. for stuff like that because if it's got if it has power, they'll want to keep that and they'll want to hold on to it for as long as possible. But it will come from the people. The people will give disclosure, and I don't think you know we could say, well, you know, are the aliens just going to land and go? Well, it's down to the aliens because that's when they are. That's they'll decide when it happens. As I say, I don't think they care. I don't. I don't think they're bothered. They're just doing their thing. They're not. They're beyond that. They're way beyond that. We're still in this little bubble of, uh, yeah. you know, trying to kill each other every day. You know, we're in this little bubble of yeah. we're being controlled by what we see on the telly and what we read in the newspaper and what we see on social media. We're they've gone beyond that. They they they're beyond that. So I, I, I'm do think though. Um, before I end this, I mean, coming to the end now, but I just got another question I want to ask you um, regarding uh, the UFOs and, uh, you know, things happening. Do you think in any way that AI is going to play a role in this? Um, I do. Um, and I think it's going to have a negative impact because we spoke about this before, Reeves, is that, you know, life for an investigator, someone who's trying to actively get out there and prove the existence of these things is already difficult. Because you can get 4K, 4K photo of one of these craft in a field, and someone would say it's too good. The quality is too good. It's, it's photoshopped. Then you can get a blurry footage of something hovering out at sea, you know, displaying all kinds of weird uh, maneuvers. And someone will say, oh, you, you filmed that with a potato. Um, so, you know, now we've got the introduction of AI. That is only going to become more, more and more difficult because, you know, it's almost going to be too good. And you can manipulate absolutely anything. You could take a picture of um, a forest and you can um, superimpose a UFO in there doing all kinds of weird stuff. And not just with photos, but with video as well and audio. The The task of um, an investigator now trying to prove these things is almost going to be impossible. And maybe that's why the government are becoming lax in releasing new information. And, you know, oh, yeah, aliens do exist and the Pentagon footage was real because they don't care. Like... You can go run and tell someone that you've had this amazing encounter, but is anyone going to believe you that now that AI is around, your chances are very slim to none. Um, and so the government really just took this lax approach of, well, no one's going to believe them, kind of just let them have this one. You know, and I think that, yeah, AI is going to make life difficult, very difficult. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you there. I think that a, as, as amazing as AI is, um, I do think in the wrong hands, it could be a tool that, uh, that would be very difficult to tell the difference between what is real and what isn't real. And I do think that in the next, you know, yeah. 10 or 15 years, we are going to see the advent of, uh, as we've spoke about before, about 
you know, the old pop stars coming back, the old singers coming back with new albums, and they've maybe been dead 20 years. Uh, We're going to see classic actors in films, and it's going to look like, you know, we won't be able to tell the difference. And we're even going to see, like, AI creating films, AI-generated films. I mean, we've got uh, some of the the stuff that's even around now is pretty convincing. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty convincing. So I do think that if you look at it in that context and you look at it in the context of, um, you know, pictures and video of phenomenon, it's going to be very difficult. And it's another thing is how much what the more control you give to AI, the the more gets to the point where it becomes sentient and it becomes its own thing. And then you're thinking to yourself, yeah. how much control do you give it? I mean, I I was watching a guy playing a game the other day, and it's an experimental game. It's it's a little bit like GTA. You walk around the city, but all of the uh, NPCs in the game are AI, basically, and you can go up and talk to them. Yeah. And one of the AIs they have a conversation with is is really depressed, and he's like, you know, I'm tired of this. This is what I do all the time. And he says, what happens when the game goes off? And he's like, I don't know. I just I just seem to not exist, and then I'm awake again when it's back on. It's like. That is really, really scary to listen to stuff like that in a video game. And you imagine when this, you know, AI becomes to the point where it's integrated with everything, that we will have video games where the game will not be written. The game will be written when you start playing it. And as you start playing that game, every time you play that game will be completely different because everything you're interacting with is a real world in the sense of it's all driven by ai uh, it's it's scary to think about but it's also a little bit exciting yeah, i'd like them to use ai for things like this like you know type in to some sophisticated algorithm that can um through a process of elimination give you a device that can make contact so just ask ai how can we best make contact with extraterrestrials and in in seconds it comes back with a device that you've never heard before you've got the parts for it but you, you've never thought about putting them together you didn't think this would work with that but all of a sudden now you've got this device and oh my god like this sends a transmission a transmission in a language that extraterrestrials possibly would use just, something like that would be really good or even just right okay ai yeah okay ai where is the most likely place in our in our galaxy to look for life and i know we've got we, we've kind of done that like um in a human sense we've kind of through the process of elimination figured that out for ourselves but get ai on this because ai can look at a further like in you know yourself in 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 seconds we could have looked at billions of planets and ai can say not that one not this one but these three here would be a really good place to send something just ask ai these kind of things and um i think it could be beneficial for like the extraterrestrial ufo phenomena oh yeah i'm uh i'm all for that sort of uh phenomena stuff on other planets i'm uh i'm a big proponent of uh um moon anomalies and mars anomalies i i find all that f- absolutely fascinating and maybe there's another episode there for 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 another date and uh you know because that there's so much to talk about when it comes to stuff like that but anyway better i think we've come to the end of this episode but before i close out this episode i want to find out what you you're going to be doing for the rest of this year i'm gonna have you back before christmas because i'm i want to do an episode on just your ghost story and i think it'll be quite cool to have your ghost story for christmas so i'm definitely going to be on the cards but but what have you got 
plan for the rest of the year? Are you going to be going back out in the woods? It's getting a bit cold and wet now, but are you going to be doing a bit more of that? Yeah, that's my favourite time. So, so come winter, that is my favourite time that I like to get out. Just because without finding anything even creepy, the videos naturally look creepy. There's fog, there's like, you know, snow on the ground sometimes, mist. Um, so I love being out in winter and um, it's a beautiful time to film as well. But I've just done some really really good work with um the bbc I've, I've mentioned to you reeves i can't really say too much about it but that will be coming out i think end of december january time um that's ufo extraterrestrial related and things are looking really up for the channel um it's going really well i'm getting tons and tons more new subscribers people are really praising what i'm doing there on the channel and um as long as people are enjoying it and you know i can i can i can maintain this reputation that i've built up over the years of being the authentic guy um, down to earth, approachable, etc. Then I'm happy because the only reason I started YouTube was to meet like-minded people, and I seem to be doing a lot of that, which is I'm all for that. It's really, really good. Yeah, you've got a very, um, a very open channel, and uh, say you just you just do your thing, and I think people enjoy seeing you going out in the woods and just seeing what happens, yeah. and you know, and it, it's 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 it, when you've got channels that where stuff's always happening, yeah. like crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, it just gets a bit boring. Yeah. But when you've got a channel that, you know, you're kind of going out there and you don't know what you're going to experience, you might experience nothing. Yeah. You might just walk the dog for an hour. Yeah. But sometimes you do. Like, the, you know, you pick up on something and it, you, there you go. It's something else that you've experienced. But, you know. I think one of the subscribers basically said it was like uh, being a fly on the wall. They love tuning in because sometimes I just get caught in my own thoughts as I'm walking through the woods and I'll just spew out where I'm thinking. And this guy was like, it's just like being a fly on the wall. I get to look intimately into what your mind is thinking and where your head's going. And I liked that. I never thought about that until he said it. But that is kind of my approach. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a little bit ASMR-y because you can just chill out and just, you don't even yeah. think about anything. Just watch the TV and just chill. You're not being, trying to be, you're not being scared out of your mind every five minutes. Oh, you know, right. it gets a bit tiring after a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm too old for that now. Yeah. I just want to chill and just watch something and be, be just be a little bit intellectual. You know, that's all I'm saying. It's just, that's what, you know, it's always about, it makes a good story that. I love that. But anyway, Ben, thanks very much for coming on uh, uh, this, this episode of Paratalk. As I say, you'll be back, uh, hopefully get you back in uh, December and we'll do your, we'll do your ghost story because uh, I know it's, it's going to be a good one. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, give a, a like and share where you're able to. Uh, until next episode, talk to you soon.